0: it's time once again for the passion to succeed podcast where we explore the traits mindsets and attitudes of passionate and successful individuals this show is for anyone who wants to make a difference make more money learn from the greatest minds and discover how to be more successful in all you do and doing it with a pure passion to succeed here's your host serial entrepreneur successful author and the world's most passionate master coach craig white Hi guys, and welcome to another Passion to Succeed podcast show—a real opportunity for you to engage with some millionaire mindsets and some minds of leaders from around the globe. My name's Craig Craig White, and I'm really pleased today to, to be bringing with you a guy that, quite honestly, I stumbled across, and um, I believe you know, like like yourself, uh, I really am open to learning and always searching to to grow and develop through personal development and contribution. So I was searching on YouTube and and actually I just uh, typed in leadership and I'm sure you do similar things as well guys and um, this guy uh, popped up, Mark Sanborn and quite honestly I'd never come across the gentleman before and um, really resonated with me. Some of the videos Mark talking about leadership and customer focus uh, and some philosophies that really sat well with me. So I've reached out and I'm really, really pleased and, and, and really grateful that uh, Mark Sanborn has agreed to, to come into our show today and share some of his worlds of wisdom. You know, this guy um, is rated uh, by leadershipgurus.net and is listed as one of the top 30 leadership experts in the world. So we really have stumbled onto something fantastic today. So look, whether you're listening in your car, whether you're listening at home, you know, be conscious to soak up this information, take notes, because I really do feel that Mark can share some phenomenal insights into into leadership uh, and to philosophies of success. He's actually very best known for his Book the Fred Factor: How Passion in Your Work and Life Can Turn the Ordinary into Extraordinary, which has actually sold over two million copies worldwide. So, Mark, thank you very much for joining us today. How are you? I'm great, Craig. Thank you for having me on the show. I right, so it's an absolute pleasure, and um, I, I know you're based out in America, uh, Mark. I mean, give give our listeners a little bit of an insight to to you know a little bit about you and and where you're based actually in the you know in the, the vast country of the United States.
1: Sure. Well, I'm in Denver, Colorado right now. I've lived here for almost uh, 31 years. I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up on a farm, uh, a cattle farm and crop farm in Ohio. Uh, My career uh, early on took me to uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and later Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. But when I started speaking full-time, I decided I wanted to live in Denver, Colorado, and I moved here. I met my wife here, and uh, she's from Tennessee, but both my boys, we were talking about you have two girls. I have two boys. My boys are both uh, native Coloradans. I am uh, I'm a transplant, but I love Colorado.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. And you were saying I think one of your, your, your eldest is at college at the moment, so um, I guess a new adventure for him in the, in the wider world.
1: Yeah, and he, he's loving it. He is uh, NROTC, which is Navy Reserve Officer Training he will come out of the out of college at Ohio State, which was my alma mater, as a uh, an officer in the Marine Corps. So I'm very uh, very proud of him. Very proud of both my boys.
0: Oh, fantastic! And you know, from a just you know just a, an insight, is that something where he's maybe followed in your footsteps? Was you you know ever associated to to the forces? You know, in your early days.
1: I wasn't. I, my dad served in the military. I was born at a time I was kind of in between conflicts and wars, which isn't a bad uh, place to be, but I have great respect and do a lot of uh, work with uh, the military. But my son, you know, he's a firstborn, and I think uh, I would hope that my wife and I just gave him the basic values that launched him to follow his own passions and explore his own path. And, and I'm proud of that, but uh, he certainly
0: isn't following me into the military. Well, that's fabulous. You know, you know, listening to you then, I think, you know, I've I've been a very lucky individual to, to have two fantastic parents also that have, you know, enabled me to grow and follow my passions. And I remember some of the advice from, from my mum in my early days and when I was going really from job to job, I remember her saying to me, Look, son, if, if you don't like what you do, find something else. And I think, you know, we're in this social conditioning environment where you know not always are children like yours and, and certainly from my perspective and I know this is rubbing off on my children because they're growing up with confidence and, and gratitude and and real uh, real love for people you know they're young but they're so um I, I guess challenge aholics, and they just love being around people and I think that environment we create as parents as leaders in our family is is you know for me the most important
1: well I agree. it's the environment we create and the example that we provide. you know we've all as parents been guilty of yelling at our kids not to yell. Have you ever done that? Yeah your kids are getting loud and you start you raise your voice and say now stop yelling and, and basically violate the very thing that you're trying to teach them. you know you talked about you talked about your mom. my dad gave me the single greatest financial advice I've ever had. I've taught it over the years. It's the most simple. It's the most effective if you want to become a millionaire. My dad told me early on, always spend less than you make. And, you know, that is the foundation of all wealth. Because if you continue to spend more than you make, you will never amass wealth. You'll always be a consumer rather than a creator. And even though that's simple and, you know, it, it it isn't sexy, people don't hear that and go, wow, I never thought about that. The problem is most people have never done it. They've been lured into uh, uh, you know using too much credit, or they've been they they've outlived their means. I, I have a I have a friend who some years ago started a new business, and the first thing he did is he went out and he bought six new suits. Now I like my friend, and he didn't ask me for advice, but I think I would have said to him, why don't you spend the money on building your business first? Buy one new suit if you need it, and uh, put the money where it will. Earn rather than where it will depreciate. So, like you, I owe that to my dad. I've always spent less than I made, and it's always served me well. That's
0: uh, certainly a great philosophy, and it's if only this was taught more commonly in the in the schools of the world. And and one of my passions, you know, we're on the the Passion to Succeed podcast show, and seeing. Uh, And we're going to discuss, you know, I guess many areas of leadership and how you sort of went from the transition from employment into being one of the world's leadership experts. But when I bring it back home, Mark, and I think about the leadership at home and I believe my personal development journey, you know, since I left school, well, since I I really went into the entrepreneurial world, the impact it's having on my children is, is... phenomenal and for that you know I remember um, laying in bed with my my eldest she had a a massive show and the um, she was uh, doing a dance show she was opening it and she came in and she said to me daddy I'm a little bit nervous and I said great sweetheart that's that's fantastic nerves is because you really care about what you're doing and nerves will help you to be your very best and we had a little conversation and I just saw the weight come off her shoulders and I think that really should be some kind of common guidance in parenting. And my passion is to take, you know, passion to succeed to the kids of the world because I think they're our future. And if we can start young, you know, we can really develop, you know, I guess some fantastic people through really conditioning them from an early age, you know, purposefully. Um, And
1: I want to interject, Craig, because I think it's so important, you know, parenting, Replicates. Good parenting replicates and bad parenting replicates. And there may be some people listening to this show that, unlike you and I, were not the beneficiaries of of good parents. They might have had parents that were ineffective and maybe their parents were doing the best they knew how to do, but they weren't good parents. And what I always like to challenge people to do is to take responsibility for their lives, to get past that. Well, I, I grew up in an impoverished environment. My dad was absent. My mother didn't love me. And and I I empathize with all of that. But the reality is, is that the essence of all leadership begins with taking responsibility for your life. It it begins with stopping the blame and accepting the responsibility to go forward. And I always hope that, you know, even if someone did not have good parents, that they will decide that they'll be the best parents they could be, that they'll break that negative uh, uh, chain, if you will.
0: Yeah, break the mold, and you and you see that so often. Sometimes I guess people are are inspired through inspiration, and some people are inspired through the pain of the past and not 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 having the desire to replicate that on. Um, yeah, I I really hear you. So so Mark, when you when obviously now you know stumbling across you and and discovering more about you, you you you've made a jump from you know being an account executive, a regional manager, working in the the typical, I guess, nine to five or or even many hours, I guess, in them roles in the corporate world. And you've always made a jump to being one of the world's leadership experts and you, you, you've become a, a very sought after and successful, influential speaker. How did you make that jump? What happened? What was the change for you? Half of it goes back
1: to passion and I'll share what the other half was in just a minute. But, you know, I had tried lots of things uh, as a young person in high school and college, and through competition, uh, I had stumbled across public speaking, and to make a very long story and potentially boring story short, (laughs) I failed very, very badly in my first speech competition at the age of 10. I mean, the kind of failure that I can still remember these many years later. I mean, it was painful, and I really had a decision tree at that point in my life, and the first decision I could have made was, well, Forget it. Doesn't matter. Anyhow, been there, done that. It's not important. And all of those rationalizations that we use to minimize the pain, right? Well, I made a different decision, and the decision I made is, is that this really does matter. This is something I want to learn. I want to become good at this, and I threw myself into learning how to be a good speaker. And of all the things I could have done, that was what I enjoyed most. And I figured if I could someday get somebody to pay me to do what I like to do most, like your mom told you to do, to follow your passion, that I would be a success. Now, many years later, I was able to make that transition. First of all, I I, uh, lived, I I made the transition uh, to becoming entrepreneurial when I was still single. I didn't have the responsibility of a family yet. But what really... Uh, paid off was the other half of the equation and that's what I call process. You know passion without process is just emotionalism. You know you can be passionate about something but if you don't do anything about it nothing changes. All you do is you get excited. But on the other hand what we see sometimes in the in, in the corporate world is what I call process without passion. People are going through the motions but they're not infusing or imbuing what they're doing with focus and intensity and concentration and passion. So what I did at at an early age is I made a discovery and that is the only thing I ultimately controlled was how hard I worked. I didn't control what my competitors did or what prices they charged or what the the federal uh, lending rate would be or what the global economy might become but I could control how hard I worked and I've said to this day you know if anybody puts anything on on my gravestone Uh, I don't think they will put that I was the best, the smartest, the greatest, or the most successful, but I would be happy if they put he was the hardest working speaker in the business because that's what
0: drives me. So you've got to have the passion and the
1: process, not one or the other. They're both critical.
0: Uh, That's really inspiring, and I think, you know, listening to, obviously, that passion. I think a lot of people not always discover what they're passionate about, so, you know, people really need to search and, and be open to, I guess, connecting with their deeper motivation. But I've never looked at it from the point of passion without process is nothing really other than getting excited. And then, you know, just shaping that with the employment world and people going through the the day-to-day processes, it really resonates with me. Um, Well, let
1: let me just let me add something else, because I know some of your listeners are going, hey, you know, I've got a job right now I'm not passionate about. I want to make more money. Uh, I want to provide for my family. What do I do if I'm in a job I'm not passionate about? Well, people need to understand there's four sources of passion. Most people only think there's one, but there's four sources of passion. Number one is being passionate about what you do, and that's the obvious one for me because I love to speak and communicate. But the second one, if you can't be passionate about what you do, be passionate about why you do it. In other words, you might work very hard at a job you're not passionate about because you know that it'll launch an entrepreneurial venture later or because it will enable you to, uh, to take a vacation that you've always dreamed of taking. So sometimes the passion comes from the why. The third source is to be passionate about how you do something. In, in organizations, there are so many things that are screwed up that I sometimes became passionate about fixing what was broke or improving what wasn't good. And that's part of the passion. I mean, I, I once wrote a book on teamwork many years ago because I had been asked to do a six-hour training program on team building, and the model that I'd been given was terrible. It was boring. It bored me, and I knew it would bore my audience. <laughs> so I got passionate about how I taught team building, and that's what I derived my passion from, not just the topic, but from the how it was taught. And then the final one, I want to say, this is your trump card. You know, this is your safety net. If you can't be passionate about anything else, be passionate about who you do it for. Your customer, your friend, your colleague, your community, your family, your spouse, your son, your daughter. Because a lot of times when I'm in the middle of doing something that's just terrible uh, and hard and and uncomfortable and I'm unhappy, I, I think about
0: not just why I'm doing it, but who am I doing it for? And that gives me some renewed passion. Joe, you know, one of them sources of, of passion, it, one of them four sources is going to resonate with somebody, wherever they are in their life, whatever their challenges are, as you said, whether, you know, if, if it's not what they do, it's who, it's why they do it or, or how they're doing it, having an influence to do it for other people. I think, you know, just I've never looked at it like that before. And from a passionate guy and, and someone that's driven by by my passions to influence and to contribute and, and to ultimately succeed is, it's really a, an insightful way of looking at things. And I think everybody, you know, even if they're stuck in a rut, because it takes guts to get out of a rut, right? And um, I think even if people are stuck, you know, one of them sources of passion is is going to be a key to, to making some lasting change in what they do or, or how they do things. So that, so that first book that you, you wrote, that was back in 1994. Was that the, the team built? making teamwork work Was that the word? yes
1: it was the early 90s uh not many people bought it nor read it but it was my first serious business book or at least my best effort you know speaking and, and writing are two different things in this regard um when you speak unless it's recorded uh it, it, it's not saved in time and later if someone hears you speak again and you're better they'll remember that you were better books are frozen they are moments of uh, frozen in time and there have been a couple books that I wrote that I gave them my best but I didn't have the skill set I have now as a writer and sometimes I look at my early work and I cringe a little bit luckily I had some good editors that kept me from from being too bad but um, you know when you write a book it stays frozen in time and even when you update it all you need to do is go into a used bookstore, and if you find the original edition, you go, "Wow! I guess the
0: good news is I'm a lot better writer now than I was then." <laughs> Brilliant. So, so, to kind of, uh, you know, get some some insights and I guess some tips for for the the passion to succeed community. I mean, obviously, you, you've written many books now. How how many books have you written to to date, Mark? If you might, don't mind me asking. Uh,
1: I've written eight and contributed to probably twenty or thirty more, but I've written eight myself.
0: Fantastic. And obviously as a you know you're you're passionate about speaking. I guess you you have a passion for writing books, but you know in my uh, listening to you and your your tonality, you you have this passion to to speak. Is that something that you find more enjoyable because of the crowd, because of the the interaction with the people? Well for me I think speaking is is
1: more enjoyable because it's a, a usually as a keynote speaker it's one hour that I have to interact live with an audience. Writing is harder work but I think writing can have greater impact because you can obviously go deeper and explain more but what really joins the two together is a simple premise that I operate from and that is that you know ideas have the ability to enrich us. A good idea can make our lives better, a good idea can make our businesses better. And regardless of the medium that you use, whether it's a video or the printed word or the spoken word in a live presentation, it's about the ideas that you share with people and about how you can make them feel about those ideas. That's what matters most in people's lives. You know, Mm -hmm. um, my best-selling book, uh, The Fred Factor, isn't my best written book, but obviously the ideas resonated better with people than any other book that I've ever written. So, you know, I, and, and I guess that would bring me to what I think is the absolute beginning point of all success for anyone or any organization, and that is clarity. You've got to be really clear on what it is that you do, what it is you're trying to do, what, and why you're trying to do it. Because too many people are wandering generalities, you know, that people say all the time, I want to get better, but they don't know how much better, and they don't know where they want to get better. Or people say, I want to go to the next level. And I always ask this question what does the next level look like? They don't have a, a clear sense of what that next level is. So, you know, clarity, being absolutely clear on what you do and why you do it is the beginning point for any successful venture.
0: Yeah, I, I totally, totally understand and, and, and believe in that also. I mean, you mentioned about people. Wanting to get better. I mean, why get better, Mark? Why is why is that important? Why would you feel that people should have that as, I guess, part of their ethos and part of their their DNA? Why why should people get better?
1: Well, that's a that's a big part
0: of my next book, which
1: comes out in September, and that book is called The Potential Principle: A Proven System for uh, Narrowing the Gap Between How Good You Are and How Good You Want to Be. And I always make the case that getting better, you know. It, Nobody has to, by law, no one is, is required by the authorities to improve. Uh, improvement, however, has to be chosen. The only thing that gets better with age accidentally is wine. <laughs> the rest of us have to work at it. And the reason that I think we need to get better is uh, there, are, there are two or three really primary ones. The first is, is your competition. I guarantee you the people that you compete against at your job or in the workplace, the marketplace, they're getting better, and if you don't get better, you'll get left behind. You'll become irrelevant. Hmm. Another reason you've got to get better is because your customers expect more. That's the problem with being a really good service provider. Yep. If, you're, if you're not very good at what you do, your customers don't expect much. But if you're good at what you do, they expect more and more every time they do business with you. So i to say the value proposition is dynamic, not static. Hmm. Uh, the third reason you've got to get better is the world changes. Uh, you've got to stay in step. You know what if If you twenty years ago refused to learn email, you're a dinosaur in two thousand and seventeen. The world is changing. They're looking at things like printing entire automobiles. I have a slide in my presentation of the first printed automobile, which looked terrible. And the next one they printed, which looked amazing just a few years later, they, they are now uh, doing head transplants on mice in China. And the, and the mice are living for over an entire day. And, of course, we have a long way to go before that happens to humans. But these are the kind of potentialities that we live uh, in, in, with in the world around us. But my, my, my last idea here for why you need to get better, the fourth reason is my favorite, and that is because you're capable of it. Yes. Um, the the premise of my book is we all know how good we become, but none of us know how good we could be. Mm-hmm. You can tell me how much money you earned and how many customers you have and you can share your accolades, but they're all in the past. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what we are physiologically, psychologically, or organizationally capable of. And that's what's exciting to me. Is is don't just benchmark against your competitors. Benchmark against your own capabilities. Because all of us, no matter how good we are, all of us have more within us that we could unleash.
0: Uh, it's that uh, it's that innate gr- uh, potential to grow, isn't it? I mean, I've always had this uh, uh, philosophy from early days of my personal development journey that, uh, that everyone has an ability to become more and to grow. Yet there's, there's so much fear for change in the world. But as you've clearly delivered there that you know change is part of life it's we're always changing i guess how we change is is how we ultimately succeed in any arena mark i mean why why is it important for human beings to do that why is it important for them to you know listen to these four insights and get better is there is there something behind there well i i do believe it is innate
1: i always say and i share in my book the only person that uh that can't get better is the person that doesn't want to. Yeah, that's the only person that can't get better. Any of us can't, no matter how. If you're number one in your industry, you can still get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm a person of faith. I believe that uh, you know that 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 uh, that inner drive, that that passion for significance, is in all of us. I I've met a lot of people who have suppressed it. I've met people who have denied it. I, I've met people who have become cynical because of the, the tough knocks they took in life. But I do believe we all have a passion for significance. See, my wife and I just took a little mini vacation to Bar Harbor, Maine. and It's a beautiful uh, island, uh, Acadia National Park. Uh, and it's uh, on the ocean and, and it's just beautiful. But I've noticed something there that I've noticed almost everywhere I've ever gone that was near a body of water and that is that people would build little little stone structures if you will they would stack stones almost you know zen like you know to make to make uh, little little uh, sculptures if you will out of the stones they found there and, and and i've been places where people took white stones and spelled out their name or when they visited or that it was their honeymoon or it was their birthday hmm. and and i think that goes back to that innate need we have to leave a mark you know we we don't want to go through life feeling like we were vapors that nobody noticed. We want to leave a, a physical, tangible evidence that we were there. And of course, placing stones is an easy way to do it, but there are much better ways to do it. You know, when we make an imprint ultimately on the lives of the people that we interact with every day. But we have to be, again, clear and intentional about the impact we make rather than just letting those impacts happen by accident.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? I think how the world we live in, and, and you know, my brain's ticking here with, you know, making making that that imprint on the world. And I guess I always remember somebody sharing, and it's very strongly possible it may have been my my mum. You know, being a real big inspiration in my life and a real strong and, and caring lady. You know, really has a love for people and always had this philosophy of rely on no one but value everybody. And I remember her saying that. Um, you know, on at the end of the day, um, when your time has come, it's the dash on the stone that counts between the two dates. It's what you do between, you know, nineteen seventy-seven for me and whatever year passes. It's the dash that counts. It's what you do in that dash to leave an imprint and an effect and, and give contribution and value to those around you. You know, ultimately, your your friends, your family, your loved ones, your offspring. Uh, but we've got we've got an opportunity to to impact humans on a on a much wider level nowadays you know with the the power of social media and I guess the the philosophy of the six degrees of separation where people often talk about we're connected to everyone in the world through six people we know six people they know and so on Um, so we do have we do have I guess uh, uh, not just an opportunity but a purpose to make a difference
1: Well, you're right. And it's easier than ever. I mean, it's always been easy to make an impact on the people that we live near and who are close to us. But now, thanks to technology, you know, we can touch people all over the planet. And too often we uh, we use this technology for divisiveness or for negativity or for complaining. And certainly, uh, you know, there's room in the world for commentary and discourse about things we disagree with. But we often forget about how easy it is to encourage people or to build people up, or to praise people, or to thank people. And we often don't use the technology to do as much good as we could. And, and I agree with you.
0: That's, that's really uh, what it's about. There's potential there. there there's certainly potential. And, and you know, I, I guess um, what's exciting for, for me is uh, obviously stumbling across you and um, obviously your ninth book, Um Which, going on what you were sharing earlier, as you're developing and growing, no pressure, but I'm expecting the potential (laughs) principle to be pretty fantastic, Mark. So, what um, I I wonder if you could share that principle with us, that potential principle.
1: Well, the potential principle is that we all know how good we've become, but none of us know how good we could be. And that the second part of that is there's only one thing that beats best, and that's better. Uh, my clients are typically very good at what they do. They're among the best, if not the best at what they do. And it's harder to get better when you're among the best. You know, if, if you're if you're starting from 10th place, it's easy to, to go move up to 9th place or 8th or place. But if you're already number one and there's nobody to emulate, there's nobody to benchmark against, then how do you get better? And that's really why I wrote the book is I wanted people to have a, a very clear template of how to get better. and if, People can go to PotentialPrinciple.com, there's uh, an assessment and there's some information about the book at PotentialPrinciple.com as well as as my website MarkSanborn.com. But what I created was a, a simple plan that gave you four areas to focus on getting better, I call it Potential Matrix, and then four powerful strategies that you could use to get better in each of those areas. And uh, I'm excited because, like you, one of my primary values in life is learning and growth and education and development. So I've taken a lot of what I've been learning and using over the last 30 plus years and put into this book.
0: Uh, I'm I'm excited to grab a copy. And uh, guys, for those of you that are listening to our show, I'll make sure that the links to both of, of Mark's website is his personal website and obviously the, the potentialprincipal.com is, is this somewhere where people can pre-order a copy of your your book Mark? Uh,
1: indeed I uh, know that Amazon is carrying it I believe Amazon UK has it although I can't say that with certainty but just go to Amazon or Barnes and Nobles online or CEO read any of the major online book retailers should have a copy
0: Fantastic. I really appreciate that. And so, so l- talking about this, this potential matrix, and you know, you've you mentioned it briefly, and I know I've uh, stumbled across you know, um, some engagement through, through YouTube. How, how would it be possible for myself, yet yeah, importantly as well, our, our listeners, um, to, to use this potential matrix to, uh, I'm guessing, unleash the potential that we're discussing resides in people?
1: Well, the, the potential matrix focuses on four areas, thinking, performing, learning, and reflecting. And the, the big message is that we all have a preferred quadrant, if you will, that we like to hang out in. You know, in business, a lot of people like to spend their time performing and doing things, but they don't think much about what they're doing or they don't have deep reasons or purpose for what they're doing. So the real key is, is to use and improve in all four areas, improve your thinking. Become a better learner, Uh, spend more time reflecting, and then that will help you uh, improve your performance. So the, the, the idea is that we tend to use what we like or are most comfortable with, but I always warn people that a strength
0: overused can become a liability. Yeah, totally. And you and you mentioned to to further on from them for them four tools the, the 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 potential matrix. You mentioned the tools and insights that people can really sort of move forward. You mentioned that just now. What where where are you going with that? What's the insights there? Well, one of the four I'll, I'll share is this, and that is engage
1: others. You know, we, we live in a time when whatever we want to do, somebody else has already done. And whether it's online or whether it's through a book or a conversation or a seminar or a class, uh, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can find people who are smarter than we are, who are not just able to do what we want to do and don't just know how to do it but know how to do it better than anybody else and so you know the quality of your education is largely dependent on the quality of the teacher and I talk about in the book how we can go about engaging others to get better rather than just going it alone and uh, that's one of the things that leverages improvement
0: I think you know from from my personal opinion listen to you like engaging with others and I know you mentioned uh, moments ago about them four sources of passion and who you do it for and I believe you know sometimes it's easier for the masses to commit to other people to I think human nature more often than not for the for the honest genuine you know valued packed individuals of the world that I, I think when you you find it easier to commit to someone else I guess it's almost easier for people to let themselves down or you know a really great friend of mine recently has been working on a, a fitness regime but it's it's not the same old diet, it's not the same old workout, it's almost a community, a collective community where people are committed to each other through a 90 day programme to change their lifestyle but also to, to commit and to share and I think that doing it for others uh, and engaging with others can sometimes, you know, propel us to be better, would you think? Oh
1: unequivocally and, and you mentioned what I call accountability you know we can learn from others but there's even a deeper level of engagement like your friend with a new diet method is trying and that is to get others involved in help holding us accountable in return for us holding them
0: accountable so those are some powerful ways to uh, to get better it's the old old sort of analogy isn't it teamwork really does in the right environment make the dream work you know and it doesn't I guess that really stems from your first book, the you know, Team Built back in, in the early nineties. So 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 in summary, what what are the benefits for pursuing to be better? What what benefits would you feel are the outcome for for people to you know, as you said, you know, what beats best is is being better. Um, you know, and overcoming that fear for change and looking for improvement and, I guess, unleashing this potential people have. What, what's the benefits for people to pursue their potential and pursue being better?
1: I'll summarize it this way. If somebody said to you as a listener, today is as good as your life will ever be. From this point forward, it's more the same or downhill. Would you be happy? And I think most people would say, of course not. I mean, I like my life, but I don't want to think that my relationships won't improve or that my earnings won't improve or that I won't get to visit new places. See most of us never think about each day that way. And so we go through the day and we kind of replicate the day before and the week before and the month before. And if you want to keep getting better, it has to be intentional. You have to have a goal to make each day a little bit better than the last. Anne Lamott, who's one of my favorite writers in her last book, says she has her uh, grandson who inspires her because every morning he wakes up and he says, this could be the best day ever. And at the end of the day, when he goes to bed, he says, this was the best day ever.
0: That's just amazing.
1: Even though it's, uh, it's childish, it's actually quite wise because we control to a large degree whether or not we make each day the best day ever and go to bed knowing that we're a little bit better than when we got up.
0: Yeah, and no, you know, I have a belief uh, again um, that you know, having a childlike wonder for life, uh, to embrace challenge and to and to take the knocks. And you mentioned you know earlier on about how people can take knocks and develop a a cynicism really for life Um, and I guess personal development you know having the right environment and you know connecting to people like yourself and, and obviously you know like podcast shows like this I mean there's so much information out there and I think personal development I believe can help people break through their glass ceiling but having that childlike wonder for life that excitement for experience that that first for knowledge. I know when I was a kid, I was always, you know, if we were in the car with my two sisters and my mum shouted duck, I'd be, they're duck and I'd be the one popping my head up saying why. And I think having that wonderful life um, is, is something that we can really, really learn from children. Like, you know, you were talking the little boy, you know, getting up in the morning and in the evening. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Inspiring so mark I'm, I'm really grateful that you've you've given us some of your time today I, I mean i'm so pleased that i've stumbled across you and and i'm guessing you know some of my listeners maybe steps ahead of me and al- already stumbled across you um, but i'm i'm really grateful for some of your time and for you to really share your philosophies and insights into you know potential and and becoming better, and and you know, I guess human excellence and the leadership philosophies you have. So I'm, I'm really grateful. Guys, make sure you you really do connect with Mark and and this new book that he's bringing out in September or October. Mark, forgive me.
1: It launches on September 5th. It can be pre-ordered now, but the book releases September 5, 2017.
0: Hey guys, well look, get excited. Take action, get over to, to potentialprinciple.com or, or Amazon uh, and get yourself pre-order copy ready for the 5th of September and uh, going into one, I guess, one of the festive times of, of um, the year. Where you know many businesses tend to boom, certainly in the consumer-led environment. So you know a real good opportunity to to raise your potential and, and move forward. Mark, I'm very grateful you joined us on the Passion to Succeed show today, and for my for my own selfish indulgence, it's been a a real pleasure uh, listening to you and, and making my own notes. So I, I really am grateful and thank you very much for your time. Well, it's been my pleasure as well. Thank you, Craig. Pleasure. If you enjoyed today's show, we would appreciate it if you would like. Most people share through social media, then subscribe, rate, and provide a review over at iTunes and SoundCloud. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us. The Passion to Succeed show is brought to you by passiontosucceed.com. Get over to the website, subscribe, and join the community of passionate people.